are you guys doing? You good? Did you guys have your coffee, your breakfast? You guys are all fueled up and ready to go. Hey, um, I have the privilege of giving the message this morning. Um, Pastor Carl is on vacation with his family. Carl, if you're online watching, thank you. I hope I don't ruin this for you. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm super stoked. I'm excited to give the message. My dad's here this morning. Hey, did you know that it was, um, it was on Friday, it was the National Vietnam War Veterans Day. Is anybody a Vietnam War vet in the house this morning? No one? Just my dad? My dad, why don't you stand up, dad? It's my dad. He served in the Vietnam War. And I'm so thankful for him. And I just want to honor anybody, if you have any family or relatives that served in the war, I just want to just honor them. Just show them how much you love and appreciate them. They did so much for the country. Every, and all of you that serve in the military, thank you guys so much. Thank you for what you do, the sacrifice that you make every day in the job that you do. We appreciate it so much. We wouldn't have our freedom without it. Um, I want to talk about, before we get into the message, I want to talk about Easter. Why don't we, um, you guys have one of those, can you throw me one of those cards? Can you guys grab one of these cards, touch it, feel it, smell it? Does it look cool? I designed these. <laughs> um, we have a bunch of uh, Easter services here at Anchor Church, and we added one on Saturday because it's just getting super packed around here. And we want to, um, every week we want to talk about this. We want to make inviting people to Easter services a big deal because we know that Easter and Christmas, those are the times that people are most receptive to coming to church, to hearing the gospel. And an invitation that's intentional is such a powerful thing. It could launch someone into their future with God. It could change their eternity forever. And you never know the, the power that could come from your invitation. And so we're just going to ask that you would just um, think about it. Pray during the week. Who am I going to invite to church? We have all these services on the back. Saturday, 5 p.m., 7 p.m. Sunday, we actually have an Easter sunrise service. We're going to not have it in the, in the auditorium. We're going to do it in the courtyard. We're renting a stage. Um, and we're just going to see the sun come up. We're going to worship together as the sun's rising. It's going to be a super cool thing. It's going to be different. Um, you guys are more than welcome to come to that one as well. And we have a 9 a.m. and an 11 a.m. So pray over these cards. Think about it during the week. And the other announcement that I have is we have a worship night coming up this Wednesday in the auditorium from 7 p.m. to 8.15 p.m. There's no agenda. All we want to do is make room for God. We just want to open our hearts to him a little bit more. We want to prepare our hearts in the season of Easter, of of where everything is really kind of unlocked from because of Jesus, what he did on the cross for us and after the cross, raising from the dead. It's all because of him. And we want to worship him. We just want to open our hearts to him. And we'd love to have you if you want to come out that night. It'd be super cool to see this place just packed out with people, encountering God, just worshiping him, pressing in. It's going to be a fun time. All right, you guys ready for the message? So this is the second to the last series in James. And... Um, the message title is The Life That God Rewards. The Life That God Rewards. And the kind of life that God rewards is a giving life. It's a life that gives. And before I get into the, the main text, I kind of want to prep it a little bit. God is so much about um, the heart and the hands, about you believing in something and then you taking action and doing something. In Proverbs 4, 23, 23 it says, above all else, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. The attitude that you have towards things, the, how much do you believe in something? 
It's going to flow from your heart. James 2.19, it says, if you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Faith, your heart, good deeds, your hand, heart and hands, it's useless. If you don't have both of them, it's, it's meaningless. Romans 10.9, when we do this every, every service at the end, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a simple thing. Heart and you confess with your mouth. Heart, hands type of thing. So all that to say going into this thing, we're going to pull two things out of the scripture this morning. Attitudes of a giving life and the actions of a giving life. The heart of a giving life and the hands of a giving life. Before I get into it, this scripture is kind of heavy. I'm just going to pray that it speak to you. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, that this um, scripture would pop out to someone this morning. morning Holy Spirit, I pray that you would um, you'd encourage someone. Lord, that you would challenge some this, someone this morning. Uh, your word would not return void, Lord. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, James 5, 1 through 6 says, Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Wow. It's kind of heavy, yeah? Like it just, the room just got super quiet. I feel like I went to the gym and tried to bench too much, and I'm real sore, but like in a good way, like my muscles are getting a workout. And so we're going to look at this, and we're going to pull out some attitudes of a giving life. Uh, the first point is don't be greedy, but be generous. You guys say Generous. Generous. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. I love this scripture. I use it all the time. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. And um, anybody have any brothers that you grew up with? Any brothers in the house? Sisters are, are cool. Maybe this applies to brothers and sisters both. But I have two younger brothers. And um, growing up, at mealtime, when it was like dinner or breakfast, we would always try to out-eat the other person. We'd inhale our food so we could get seconds first <laughs> before they could get it. We'd try to clear our plate so that we could get the food before they could. Anybody? Like it was a hard time. It was rough growing up with brothers. Like you had to like really compete against them to get the, the food. And um, so we'd always do that. Like, you know, if it's, if it's Kahlua pig and cabbage night at the house, oh man, better watch out. Like... <laughs> It's going to be, you're going to have to fight for your food. Or if it's, you know, spaghetti and meatballs, man, that's one of the ones that we would really go for. Uh, but sometimes we'd have, like, leftovers in the fridge, right? And we'd go to school and come home and, like, eat the leftovers. And if one of our brothers ate it before us, we'd be super mad. Like, it'd be a big deal in the house. We'd get into arguments and fights about it. Actually, it even it extended to the present day <laughs> right now. My brother is, is back in the house because he's trying to save up to buy a house. And um, 
so he lives at my parents' house, and um, he has stuff in the fridge from time to time, and sometimes I, you know, I take me and my wife, we go over with the kids, and he's not home, and I see a Coke in the fridge, like a delicious ice-cold Coke, and I'm like, sweet, there's a Coke in the fridge. I'm going to drink it. <laughs> I drink it, and, you know, we end up leaving, and I get, like, this long text from him later, like, <laughs> did you drink my Coke? How dare you? You should have asked me first. Did you replace it? And... So that's, that's the kind of rules. Like if you, in my house, this is probably every house. If you didn't bring it into the fridge, don't eat it. If, it's, if you don't have your name on it, don't do that. Don't, you know, don't touch it. But when I started dating my wife, uh, we would go over to her parents' house. Um, they would have this thing called family night. It was every Sunday at Pastor Rob's house because Pastor Rob is my father-in-law. Um, and I remember going this one time and we we're doing something. I wanted to make like a, a, a lemonade or something. And I go to the, the refrigerator, and I'm like, hey, uh, Rob, sir, <laughs> it, is it possible, perchance, that I could have this lemon wedge? Like something small in the fridge. I was like, please, can I have this? I know I didn't bring it, but can I have it? And he's like, yeah, sure, why not? Like, like a weird look on his face, like, go ahead. And, he, and I remember him telling me this, anything you want in the fridge is free game. If it's in the fridge, it's free game. It's whatever is mine is yours. And I was like, wow, that's such an awesome example of being generous, right? <laughs> it's funny. This is even funnier. So, like, I was, telling, I was talking about the sermon with my brothers, and we were, like, at, at the fire pit. And I'm like, hey, Tyler, I'm going to talk about this illustration um, about, you know, how you don't like me eating your stuff. <laughs> and I was like... I got this whole free game concept and whatever's in the fridge is free game from Rob, actually. He's like, oh, oh my gosh. So that's where you got this nonsense from. <laughs> like, he's, he's the one to blame. He's the one who's teaching you this nonsense. Like, anything is in the fridge. What's mine is yours. But really, it's like, if you didn't bring it, it's not yours. <laughs> but that's the first point. Don't be greedy, but be generous. I know it's a funny story, but it's true. And um, Pastor Carl, it's, it's, I see that so much in his life. You know, I used to surf with him every Monday before I had kids. I, we'd go every Monday, we'd go to um, Pyramid Rock on, on the Marine Base, or we'd go somewhere else. And um, he gave me one of my uh, first surfboards, and it was awesome. And I just saw him so generously give away stuff that he had. And it's like literally what happened in Proverbs while I was reading, the world of the generous gets larger and larger literally happened with Carl's surfboard collection. Like, it would get larger and larger and larger. And as he would give away surfboards, it would get larger and larger. You would just have to keep on giving away because God would just bless him with so much more stuff. And how true is that in our life, right? When you bless someone, when you give away of stuff, that something that God has blessed you with, God gives it back. You can't outgive God. How true is that, right? So don't be greedy. Be generous. The second thing that we can pull out of... Um, that I get out of James is don't be self-centered, be selfless. And we can be, you know, we can live a life that's all about us, about how much we can get, accomplishing your vision for your life, the goals that you have, or we can live a life that's about others. We gotta be careful. I think there's a warning that, that James has in the scripture that we gotta be careful not to mistreat the people, not to abuse the people that God has placed in our lives, the, in our lives, the, the people that are that we have influence in, our family, our coworkers, our friends. We got to be careful that we don't use people as stepping stones 
to get what we want, to get the status that we want, to get the things that we want. And James is totally saying that in this. Like, you've condemned and murdered innocent men who weren't opposing you. You failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields, crying, and they're crying out against you. These guys in the scripture that he's talking about, they've abused and they've used people to get ahead in life. And man, we gotta, you gotta be careful of that. Sometimes it even happens on, on small scales, you know? And because we wanna, we feel like if we have more, if we have the stuff, we'll be more respected. If we have the, the more wealth, if we have more um, high quality things, will be, that, that's, that's our identity. We tie our identity sometimes to the things that we have. And um, I remember that there was, a, there was a time, and I had to get my heart in check a little bit. I know I talked about my house before a little bit, but it was such a big deal in my life being able to, to purchase and own a home. That was such a, a life-changing uh, thing for my wife and I. Because when we got married, when we first got married, Pastor Carl, her dad, Pastor Rob, um, all the, the, you know, the mentors on the staff are like, hey, if you get a house when you're young, it's such an awesome thing. It's such an awesome thing for your family. You get to invest into that and you get to take care of your family and live in a, in a house instead of paying rent to someone else. It's just a smart thing to do. And so we desired that. Like, we're like, yes, we want to do that. We want to build a family. But everything was out of our reach. The, the amount that we could qualify for was just nothing. All the houses that we could qualify for were just like super, super small. And it just, everything was just, seemed so impossible. And some people were like, hey, you know, you should just, you should probably just rent. It's, it doesn't even make sense to live like that in Hawaii. And um, I remember calling a banker one time, uh, a loan officer, and asked like, hey, I was thinking about getting a loan for this house, the house that we live in. And I gave him all my info, all of our income. And he literally laughed at me on the phone and was like, <laughs> listen, if you even made like $1,000 more a month, you, would still, you still wouldn't even qualify for this home. So yeah, I would just you know, give up on this. There's nothing, you can't do this. So it was, such a, it was such a God miracle that we actually got the house and we're living in now. We've been living in it for six years and it's such a good thing for our family. But when we got the house, there was a little bit of this pride that creeped into my heart. And I just remembered all the voices that said, you can't do this. Um, you have to make more money, give up on the dream, give up on what God has promised you. And I kind of got this pride like, yeah, that's right. I did it. And I started to believe that I had something to do with the miracle that God opened. And how true is that in our life, right? When we pray for something and we're believing in something and God finally comes through and blesses us with it, sometimes there's like, we feel like we had something to do with it. Like if it wasn't for me talking to that person, I wouldn't have got this house but we forget all the times that we've actually prayed, where we fasted, that we, you know, lay hands on stuff and we're like, God, do something about it. I like to think of it like, you know, when Jesus walks into Jerusalem and um, he's on the donkey and in the streets and everyone's like, yeah, Jesus. And they're like, they're, they have all the palms, everything, they're throwing a party in the streets. And I like to think of us sometimes like we're the donkey and we think that everyone's cheering for us. We're like, yeah, that's right. I finally arrived. You guys can party now, but really it's like they're, they're cheering because of Jesus, that, of what Jesus is going to do, what, what he's all about. And I love the scripture that Jesus says in Luke, speaking about your identity being tied to your possessions. He said, speaking to the people, he went on and said, take care, 
Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. And there's nothing wrong, you know, that God's not saying about, there's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's nothing wrong with possessions. The danger is when possessions possess us. When they control our heart. When they control our heart, man, like all the actions that flow from it follow that. It's not about what you have. It's like what you do with it, right? Like Pastor Carl had all those surfboards. He could have just like had a collection and just kept it. <laughs> Got a little storage warehouse. Like I have all these, all these surfboards. He could have sold them all and made a lot of money, but he actually blessed like a ton of people with these surfboards. The, the house that we have, we've housed so many people. We've um, hosted so many people. I remember this one time um, a few years ago, there was a, a family in our connect group and they were just in a rough spot in life. They didn't have a place to stay. They just got kicked out of their place. They're in between jobs. There wasn't anything real consistent. And the Holy Spirit just kind of prompted my wife and I to offer them to stay at our house. Uh, it's a family of five. Five, husband and wife, three kids. And I, we both had two kids at the time in a three-bedroom house. And so we had our kids stay in our room and... They, they all fit in one little room. And they're way better now. They, they've, they've come out of it. They found a place. Um, they have a job. But it's, I was just so blessed that I was able to help the people and show compassion towards them and, and extend some, some love towards them and have a, have a place to stay through our house. And it was just such a great thing. But James is saying, don't be self-centered, be selfless. We could have just said, no, sucks to be you guys. I'm sorry. Man, that sounds like a rough spot. But we actually did something about it. So don't be self-centered, but be selfless. Now we're going to go on to the actions of a giving life. James 5, 7 through 12 says, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And James is saying that Jesus is coming soon. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no be no or you will be condemned. So Jesus, he's just saying like, man, be ready. Jesus is coming soon. He's right at the door. I like to, <laughs> I like to think of anybody got like an Amazon Nest, Alexa Nest, I know you do. You're with us. So there's this thing, like it's like a nanny cam we put in the kids' room. And so we have family dinners at my parents' house sometimes. And we all have all the grandkids, you know, in one room. And we're out in the kitchen cooking. And sometimes, periodically, we have to check in on them through the Nest cam. So we'll be like, Alexa, show me the Nest. And we can see the camera. And we can see everything that they're doing. And sometimes they're not getting along. And we can actually talk through the Alexa Nest cam and tell them, hey, Levi, stop punching your sister. And I like to think of God has a nest cam. He has a nanny cam. And each of every one of us is called the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so sometimes we think that like uh, Jesus is coming. That's a, way, that's a long way off. But James is saying, man, be ready. 
He's coming. Be patient. He's, the time is coming when he's going to come back. The judge is standing at the door. And there's four things that, four actions of a giving life that I pull out of this passage. The first one is be patient. We've got to be patient. To live the life that God rewards, we've got to be patient with ourselves. We've got to be patient with others. We've got to be patient with God's timing, with, God purpose, with his purposes, with his plan. And sometimes we try to speed things up for God like it's not fast enough. Like we need to help him, right? Like he's God of the universe. He's got, a, he's got our whole lives planned out. And sometimes we try to speed up the process like, God, okay, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to get this thing started for you. And James is saying, be patient. We got to be patient with others. Second thing is um, that we have to persevere. We got to persevere in the good times and the bad times. And that's all throughout that scripture that James is talking about. We've got to stay committed. Don't give up. Sometimes there's rough seasons in our life. Sometimes where there's, there's stuff that happens that we can't explain, even though we're doing all the right things, and we just don't understand why. And, it, and it's kind of a, it's a bummer, and it's a downer. And when you're not getting the answers that you're looking for, it's easy to slide into that, that mindset of, uh, it's not working, I'm just going to give up. And James is saying, man, you got to persevere. Perse- persevere through the good times and the bad times. Stay committed. Stay committed with the right heart in the midst of adversity or suffering. we got to do that. If we want to live the life that God rewards, we got to persevere. The third thing is that we got to be consistent. we got to be consistent about our giving, about the way that we care for people, about our serving. Those of you on the dream team, who serves on the dream team? Awesome, a little bit. Rest of you guys, man, the dream team is so awesome. We have a little room that you can get snacks and stuff during service. <laughs> you guys would love it. But consistently serving, consistently loving people, you know, that it's, people don't really know how much, I don't know how the saying goes, but like if you're, if you just do some one act of kindness, like that's great. But to be consistent with how you love people, man, people really know how much you care if you're consistent with them, right? And sometimes there's something to be said about a consistent life over the way you talk, over your words. Living a consistent life for God is a beacon of hope sometimes for others. And it's kind of like, oh, wow, that's, that's legit. That's real. Um, I run into classmates from time to time. And they know that I, I used to go to church, right? Like I, in high school, I would, I would come up here. I was a part of the youth group, a part of the worship teams, all that. And um, they asked me like, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. You still doing the church thing? And I'm like, yeah, I'm still doing the church thing. They're like, oh, right on, right on. But it's, I kind of see like a little bit of like an like a awe and wonder in their eyes. Like, wow, you're still living for God after all these years? Like, you're still doing it? How come you didn't do what the rest of our friends growing up did? And I can see that, like, when people are looking at your life, the people that know you, that don't know God, and you're going through the craziest situation in your life, how you react and how you respond to the seasons in your life totally speak to people that are watching. And it, and it shows them, like, man, God is real. He's alive. I love that, that scripture in, um, when it's Paul in the jail, and they were worshiping. They're on the dirty floor in the middle of a jail. Him and, and Barnabas are worshiping. And 
there's an earthquake and all the jail cells fly open and the jailer's about to kill himself. And he's like, hold on, we're all here. Don't kill yourself. And, he, and the jailer's like, How, what can I do to be saved? What can I do to have what you have? How are you worshiping on a jail floor? Why are you even here? Like you should have just escaped when the, when the prison doors flew open. Why are you here? Because, because I love my God. My God is real. He's powerful. Such an amazing thing, being consistent. And the last thing that we look at is that we got to show compassion. Partnering with the Holy Spirit's prompting, it can be a powerful thing. He'll give you the words to say in what you need when you step out for him. Like when my wife and I asked that family if they wanted to stay with us, like the times that you feel like you should pray for someone, like that little inner voice that's like, hey, they're going through depression right now. You should reach out to them. Why don't you go give so-and-so a call? Why don't you have a conversation with this person? Partnering with the Holy Spirit, man, compassion, showing the act of compassion is such a big deal. Consistent compassion can change a person's life and launch them into the future that God has for them. I'm so thankful for all the youth leaders that I grew up with um, in my life and the compassion that they showed me. All the times that I called them in the middle of the night complaining about girl problems or (laughs) I'm not getting along, I'm fighting with my parents and I don't want to stay at home. I'm all mad at them. Can I stay at your place? They were able to like open up their house to me. They were, they were compassionate towards me. And I believe that without them showing me that stuff, I wouldn't live the life that I'm living today. They laid out the groundwork for me to live a life the way I do for God right now. And the way that you can, you don't know how powerful your words and your influence and the acts of compassion that you have towards other people, what you can actually do. It's such a big thing. And I wanna, I wanna encourage you and challenge you this week that you'd pray that God would show you, he'd give you eyes to, to see people a little bit differently. You know, we always talk about um, that everyone has a story. No one just showed up the way they are like on this earth, like, hey, I'm, I'm angry or I'm depressed. And this is the way I am. Something happened to get them where they are. And just pray that God would show you their heart. Pray that God would reveal things to you that, that you wouldn't even know on your own. Pray that God would give you ears to hear the things that he's telling you to do, that you'd be more aware. I love that, that Holy Spirit song, that, that we'd be more aware of his presence. Not only where he is, but where he isn't. You know what I mean? And see how that changes the way you look at people in situations. I believe that's gonna be such a huge thing for you this week, the way that you step out, that if God would give you the eyes to see and the ears to hear, man, the way you show compassion, it's gonna be such a powerful thing. If I could invite the worship team back up for a second. We're gonna do service a little bit different. And I really, when I was preparing for this message, I really believe that I wanna pray for some people in the room this morning. Last year, um, I dealt with a little bit of, it was not a little bit, it was a, it was a season of depression in my life. And I know that some people talk about depression and they're like, oh, you know, you're just feeling sorry for yourself. And there's, there's, depression's a real thing and it's heavy and I don't think it should be taken lightly. And when I was going through that, there's sometimes where I would go home and just be 
weeping on the couch. I'd be crying on the couch. And my wife would be like, what's wrong? What are you, what are you crying about? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just down. I don't, I don't know what to do. And it got to the point where I felt like quitting here at church. I'm surrounded by Christians all the time. I work with Christians in the office and I'm with all you guys on the weekend. But it was just this, this spirit or this like damping, dampening thing on my, my heart and my mind, and I just couldn't shake it. And I was doing all the right things. I was reading my word, I was worshiping, I was praying, I was around people, and I just didn't know what was going on. And I just am so thankful for um, my brothers in my life and my uh, with Pastor Rob, being able to talk to him about this kind of stuff and have him encourage me to keep persevering, to keep running the race that God has set before me and not to give up. And I just want to speak to some people in this, in this room this morning. Maybe that's, maybe that's you, that you are dealing with heavy depression. And I just want to encourage you, talk to some people that love you, that know you, that know God, that can encourage you to keep going, that, can, that you just keep pressing in for him. Or maybe it's, you're not dealing with depression. That's, that's totally fine. But maybe it's an unmet expectation from God. And it's kind of weakened your faith a little bit. Maybe it's a promotion you didn't get. Maybe you and your wife are trying to get pregnant and that didn't happen. Maybe it was a miscarriage. But something is happening in the season of your life right now where you feel like, God, I'm, I don't have the answers. I feel like I want to give up. I want to pray for you this morning and we're going to worship in a little bit. And as we worship, I just want you to lean in and really seek God's face. Why don't we all stand real quick? get that scripture of Hebrews up. I feel like on Friday night, before we even stepped on stage, I felt like this is something that we needed to do this weekend and that someone in the room is, is needing this. And I love in Hebrews, it's, it talks about this. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means that we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, when you find yourselves in the midst of a season, when you find yourselves having a hard time persevering, hard time staying committed, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through, and it'll shoot adrenaline into your souls. So we're going to sing What a Beautiful Name again. I just love this song because it's all about Jesus. It talks about how powerful he is, how great he is. And I can encourage you. I can, I can talk about all this stuff on the stage, but it's another thing when Jesus actually talks to you personally and the Holy Spirit actually gets into your heart. So while we bow our heads right now, I just want to pray for you. If that's you this morning and you're dealing and you're going through a season, maybe it's depression. Maybe, like I said, you're, you're kind of getting wobbly in the knees with living for God. You're kind of like, man, I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired. I'm doing this for a long time. Why don't you just raise your hand right now? I want to pray for you. 
I see you. I see you guys. Awesome. Thank you. Go ahead and raise your hand. There's no one's looking. You don't have to be ashamed. Man, there's nothing to be ashamed of if you're like having a hard time. That's why it's so important to be honest before God because he can do something with that. He can do something with an honest heart. Awesome. Put your hands down. Let's pray. Lord, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would go before us right now. Lord, I pray for every individual that is in the midst of a season of trial, of having a hard time persevering. Lord, they're crying out to you. They're, they're looking for answers. But God, I pray that we wouldn't rush the process, but we'd be able to be in that place of trust and peace in you, God. So Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would bring that. You'd bring your peace that surpasses all understanding. Holy Spirit, that you would bring your comfort. Holy Spirit, more than anything, that you would just show them how much you love them, how much you're proud of them, how much that you have a plan for their life, that you're not finished with them yet, God, that they still have so much more to do. God, that you'd encourage them right now.
maybe some, some of you this morning, close our eyes, bow our heads. Some of you don't know God in a personal, real way. Or some of you have been gone from a relationship with God for a really long time, like a really long time. And I want to just tell you right now, it's time to come home to him. It's kind of time to come back to the family of God. It's time to come back to Jesus. And you don't have to get your life right. You don't have to get the, all the sin out of your life right now to come home to him. You don't have to make your life right to be perfect, to be holy, to be anything but where you are right now, exactly how you are right now, because that's how God loves you, exactly how you are. And this is a free gift from God. Like I say, you don't have to do anything. Jesus already did it on the cross. Jesus Christ came down, the Son of God, from heaven to earth, as a man lived a pure and blameless life, faced everything that we face on this earth, was tempted in every way, but he remained pure in the process. He remained blameless, he didn't sin. And back in the day, you'd have to give a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice to make yourself right with God. If you sinned, you'd have to sacrifice. So God was like, I don't wanna do that anymore. I want them to be with me forever. So he sent Jesus to pay it all on the cross. He died a sinner's death a criminal's death on the cross, bore your sin, my sin, everything that we're gonna do, every time we're gonna fall short, he paid it all on the cross already. He's put in a tomb and he rose three days later by the power of the Holy Spirit, proving to everyone that he's the son of God, that he has power over sin and death. Now they don't, have, they don't hold you anymore. You're not a slave to sin anymore because of Jesus. And all he says is that you have to believe in your heart and confess your mouth and you'll be saved. You'll be a child of God. You'll come home to him. And I wanna give you that opportunity right now. And all I wanna do is that heart action. I just want you to lift your hand right now. If that's this, if, if God's like, if you're feeling nervous right now, like, I don't know if I should do it. I feel something. That's the Holy Spirit saying, I love you. Come home, come home. Now's the time, now's the time to do it. And I'm gonna count to three. And if that's you, raise your hand on three. All right, you ready? One, two, three. Go ahead, raise your hand. Awesome, I see you guys. Great decision, awesome. I see you over there, I see you over there. I see you, I see you in the back. Go ahead and put your hand down. Just pray this in your heart like it's your own. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for living my life my own way. I'm sorry for choosing my ways over your ways. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me, that you rose again, that you have power over sin and death. God, thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for making a way, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. I'm open to your power in my life. The same power that raised you from the dead, I'm open to that in my life. Lord, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you so much for believing in me. Thank you for having a plan for my life. I give my life to you. I love you. And help me walk this out, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Come on, let's give those people a hand this morning. Incredible, incredible decision. Your life's never going to be the same. It's never going to be the same.